This is How Sound. It's the backstory to great audio storytelling. It comes from PRX and Transom, and I'm Rob Rosenthal. Creative audio journalism and storytelling is influenced by a lot of disciplines outside of journalism. Like Take S-Town, for example. It's a very literary podcast, given the writing and the use of metaphor. The Memory Palace comes to mind. I think of that as literary, too. Radiolab is inspired by sound art and avant-garde music, especially the early years of Radiolab, with all those quick cuts and the way sound was layered and mixed. A bunch of years ago for Transom, Nick Vanderkoek of Love and Radio wrote about documentary film as an influence on his work. One example of that is how Nick tends to ask questions off mic, just like a film producer. So literature, art, and film, those influences on creative audio storytelling make sense. Nothing unusual there. But what about anthropology? That's the study of human behavior and society. That's definitely an uncommon source for inspiration, maybe given how academic it can be. But what would it even sound like? And how would you work in the field as an anthropologist with a microphone? Well, the only audio storyteller I can think of that takes their cues from anthropology is Nana Hauga Christensen, She's in Denmark, and she has a PhD in the subject. How would you say your radio production as an anthropologist is different than a reporter seeking the same story? What makes your work different, do you think? I just like very much the, the fieldwork part or this, yeah, this part where you, you go into it, you go to a place or an environment and you hang out and spend time with with people and maybe in a way there's a very like explorative uh, approach uh, in that that it's not always I'm sure of what I'm seeking I'm just there kind of trying to be open and listening to what is happening and then follow that what you're describing sounds to me like a documentarian. How would a documentarian, which I think of as journalism, uh, I guess I'm just trying to parse out. When you walk into a room with a microphone, what are you doing that's different than maybe what I would do? Yeah. I think I need to know what how you are doing to answer that. Uh. Well, yeah, good point. I think for me, I would want to know generally – that there's going to be a story there probably before I go in. It's true that I might see something interesting and just see what happens. But more often than not, I'm on the hunt for a story from the get-go. And then I might spend a good deal of time in that space and just seeing what unfolds. But I wonder if it has to do with what I'm looking for in the first place, which is story. Mm, yeah, yeah. I think I'm maybe not as occupied with the story to begin with. I think maybe that's a big difference. Yeah, it's more an interest in an, an environment or in a theme more broadly. Uh, of course, I have some kind of focus when I go that that's what interests me, but it's very rarely that I'm aware of it as a story. It's more maybe a, a, a just a feeling of being drawn towards something. Nana frequently finds herself drawn to the theme of death and dying. She's produced several stories on that topic. It's also what she studied for her thesis. Her fieldwork was at a hospice. Why is death of interest to you? I think maybe it's something that I'm not even totally aware of, but 
like my grandmother she died shortly before I was born and it it has kind of been a, a wound inside my mother so she has never never been able to even mention the word death so I think I'm kind of compensating for <laughs> I don't know uh, I think I'm just drawn to maybe existential themes or like areas where there are things at stake also between people. Um, it is a very, of course, intense time, this time where people are saying goodbye to each other or approaching death. Nana didn't learn how to make audio stories until just a few years ago after she finished her degree and took a workshop in sound ethnography. That's the study of sound and culture. So it was actually a, a coincidence that I ended up doing radio and found that media very fitting for what I wanted to, to express, uh, especially the intimacy you can have with radio I, or with sound I like a lot. Like it's not... It's not so intimidating to come with the recorder and, yeah, I feel I can get close to people in a way, even though I bring the recorder. So how does radio help with that? Why sound? In what way does that bolster your work? I feel it, it's a way to communicate a presence in a way, like a presence of voices, a presence of atmospheres, a presence of sounds also. In anthropology, we have this concept called thick description that we through writing and writing detailed or in a detailed and also sensory way about our fields, we can kind of transmit it to an audience. And I feel that thick description is in a way embedded in working with sound. There are like multiple layers in recordings, like, yeah, just the, the tone of a voice, how it changes and how it communicates something that says much more than the words themselves can express. Not long after that workshop, Nana produced a piece that won an award from the Third Coast Festival. It's a very short, personal piece in Danish about her time with cancer. It's called Summer Rain. And you can hear what she means by thick description in sound. I Nana's in the bathroom. Her son wants to come in, but she says no. She's getting ready for the day. She brushes her hair. Some of it falls out, and she has to throw it in the trash. Later, she shaves her hair. And this time her son is in the bathroom with her, and so is her mother, who gets a red mixing bowl. It's one they used when Nana was young and felt sick and was going to throw up. Now she's taking care of me again, Nana says. Så 
Why are you crying, Mom? I'm crying because it looks so strange. It's super ugly, isn't it, Mom? Yeah, it's pretty ugly. You can still tell it's Mom, the grandmother says. The best of summer rain. Summer rain is the best. Drops against my scalp. I've never tried that before. Nana has produced several pieces since summer rain, including more award-winning work. In 2019, Nana traveled to Leo, a small island off the coast of Denmark. About 80 people live there. She reported a series of stories for Danish radio on the declining population of the island. The school closed, so did the post office. The priest moved away. And now there's largely an older population that lives there. I was interested in the dying process of this community, or at least the transformation process into something else. When someone dies, it's not necessarily an end. Of course, it is an end in some ways, but there's also a transformation in it, like a relationship transform into something else. On Leo, Nana met Susie, an elder who would help her understand the transformation taking place. But while Nana was there, she talked to Susie about her husband's death, and Nana the anthropologist kicked in. I'm just there, kind of trying to be open and listening to what is happening, and then follow that. Nana made her population stories, and then she produced this additional piece, something more anthropological, Widow of the Sea. Susie lives on Lyø, a small Danish island. Bells from all over the world hang from the staircase railings to her house. Susie's husband, Viggo, was a sailor. He passed away four years ago. She called him her Odysseus. The house is warm, and the walls are covered with ship clocks and paintings of the sea. When Vigo was still alive, Susie and he created a small museum in their home with objects from the ocean journeys. After Vigo's death, Susie changed the museum. So now it's just the Grønne Museum. Now she tells tall stories about the small island and the seven seas. It was from here, and so all the way over, and so this is the kitchen. The museum yeah. takes up half of her kitchen. There's a good
the pheasants are finding their resting places. A shepherd leads her sheep to the barn. The geese fly low. Jeg kan så godt lide lyden af, af det der træ. Det får mig til at føle, føle mig hjem. The sound of the tree makes me feel at home, Susie says. We sit in the shrubs by Lyus wind phone. A phone where people can connect with their loved ones who have passed away. Susie was the first one to use it, shortly after Vigo died. Det var lige den gang, da Vigo var død. Altså, jeg var den første, hvor det var aktuelt. When Vigo was at sea, they wrote each other letters. Susie continues to write him in her finest handwriting. Jeg har sådan en fin lille bog, hvor jeg skriver, kære Vigo hedder den, og så skriver jeg bare sådan et par sider en gang imellem med skønskrift, du. She bought a book and named it Dear Vigo. Så... Så Vigos sjæl, han lever sgu videre. Fordi han svarer jo. Vigos soul is alive. That's for sure. Susie says. Because he answers. Og det gør han også, når jeg går ind i den telefonboks. Just like he answers, when she enters the phone booth. Der var så lidt stok. Døren binder lidt. The wind phone is an old desk phone. Sådan Og der står et skilt, hvor der står, her kan du tale med de afdøde. And there's a sign saying, here you can speak to the dead. Yes, you read that right. Share your dreams, your sorrows, your hopes, your doubts and fears, the simple humdrum of daily life with those who moved on. The idea comes from Japan and a 70-something-year-old gardener named Itaru Sasaki. I lift the receiver. The wind phone overlooks the sea. Maybe it carries messages on the breeze. Så sang vi alle de fine sange, som vi... Og sømandssang, ikke? Og som vi sang for ham. Det var rigtig fint. When Vigo died, Susie and their daughters were gathered by his bed. They sang sailor songs. Og så, så øh, sang vi, jeg ved en lærkerede. And an old children's song called, I know of a lark's nest. A line goes, I'll say no more. 
så var da vi kom til den linje, jeg siger ikke mere, så døde han lige da vi sang, jeg siger ikke mere. They sang that line, as Viggo took his last breath. Det gjorde han så ikke mere. He said no more. They gave his ashes to the sea. That's Widow of the Sea. It first aired in 2020 on Shortcuts. That's a podcast from the BBC. Nana made it with Eleanor McDowell and Falling Tree Productions. And Nana says she doesn't think of Widow of the Sea as a story. You know, something with a clear beginning, middle, and end, where there's a sequence of events and a character tries to overcome something. She says it was just a collection of moments worth working with. When I listen to my material, also like my recordings, I... I think it's a quite intuitive process that I go with where I kind of feel captured by the material or where I get an, a kind of maybe energy from listening to it. So there was just something there that kind of came together in a way. So here's how I'm understanding you. It's less of a story and more of a collection of interesting moments. Yes. I think uh, that's often how I work and then I hope the moments will make the story. Tell me more about that. That I hope that when I gather those moments, they kind of together weave a story that tells something. So it's more like appearing maybe from the recordings that it's a story I want to impose on the recordings. Can you say that again? Uh, that I feel when I work, it's more... I, I try to explore what the recordings are saying, or it's more the story that I find in the recordings than it's a story I try to impose the recordings. Here in the States, audio storytelling seems like it needs to be driven by tension and conflict. It's like front and center. I wonder what you think about that. Yeah, I feel I listen to a lot of great audio storytelling from the States. But yeah, I feel it's it's a different way of working than the way I like to work or the way I feel comfortable with working also. Um, and I actually feel that in the um, collaboration with Eleanor and Falling Tree, there's this very beautiful respect for giving space to to the recordings or giving space to stories to unfold in another way than this very plot-driven way. I feel as though you're an audio photographer. I thought Widow of the Sea was like a collection of photographs. We saw her in the kitchen. We saw her you know, out in the yard. We saw her you know, by the wind phone. And you just took, gave us these, it's like a photo essay in sound. Yeah. I was thinking about, in relation to narration, that in a way it makes sense because I think I try to create pictures also in the narration. Yeah, to create a narration that is quite 
fact-based, but with poetic facts, very much based on observations. Maybe that's where anthropology comes in, the backdrop of it all, like this uh, trying to carry things forward, but in a way that people, it lies there open to them and they can kind of make their own interpretations. There's another side to Nana's work with sound, where she uses sound as part of academic research. I've put a link at Transom to something she recently published in the Journal of Sonic Studies. It features sound from research on the elderly. There's also a link there to Summer Rain with subtitles. It's very much worth listening to without my translations. And if you want more to listen to, there's a second version of Widow of the Sea at Transom. This one has a scene that was cut from the version we heard. It features, are you ready for this? It features Susie's shrunken heads, ones that she made herself. Yep, go to transom.org. There's a new article at Transom from Jeff Town, Transom's tools guru. He reviewed two options for remote recording, Riverside and TalkSync. So even though interviewing in person is the better choice, if you find you need to record an interview at a distance, these reviews will be helpful. Genevieve Sponsler, thanks a million for editing my scripts. And thanks also to the Transom team in Woods Hole, Jay Allison, Vicki Merrick, Sid Lewis, and Jennifer Jarrett. I'm Rob Rosenthal. Thank you for listening. From PRX and transom.org.